Welcome to the Skies Were Under podcast, hosted by me, Rachel Wright. This podcast is created by and for parents of people with disabilities and the many practitioners who support us. It's just for all of us who are trying to get from one end of the week to the other whilst bridging the gap between the life we expected and the one we're actually living. Hi, I'm Rachel. I'm a qualified nurse, an unqualified parent of three, and the founder of Born at the Right Time. My life went totally off script 16 years ago when I became the parent of someone with severe brain damage, which resulted in him having a whole host of complex medical needs. Each week on the podcast, I'll be joined by my regular guests and fellow parents, Lucy Parr and Sarah Clayton. Lucy is midway through a PhD in educational psychology. She has four children, including a son with a chromosomal disorder resulting in autism, epilepsy and just a whole host of other medical complications. Sarah is the CEO of Simple Stuff Works and her eldest of four children suffered a brain tumour aged six. And as a consequence of treatment and complications, she's now a beautiful young woman living with learning disabilities and some complex medical needs. You see, parents like us often feel as though we're living under a different sky to everyone else. So on this podcast, we're going to talk about the weather, complain about the rain, laugh at the view, and maybe together we'll learn to embrace the skies we're under. So, welcome to the podcast, Lucy and Sarah. Woohoo! Nice to be here. Lovely to be here. Um, you won't have recognised anybody who's listening, but we have just spent the last hour and a quarter trying to get Lucy's microphone to work <laughs> and failed. So she's using a different microphone than the beautiful one I bought her for the purpose of this podcast. I'm very sorry. We were told as well, I was instructed to check my tech before we started and I obviously didn't and it did work before but now it doesn't work so I very much apologize for my shit sound quality (laughs) okay what are we going to do today we're going to basically try and introduce ourselves to you tell the people listening all about our home setup like our kids um, and particularly the children that um, take up a little bit more time than the rest of them who wants to go first? Sarah. Um, so there are six of us that live in the house, plus two dogs. My mum always said that I would end up with kind of nine children and 18 cats because I could never say no to anybody. And I didn't know what she meant until I got the older and realised I don't ever say no to anybody. But so there's six of us in the house, me, the other half and the four things. And the things range from almost 21 years old, which is impossible because I I, um, don't look surely that old. Surely. (laughs) Surely you're not old enough. Thing one's 21. Thing one is almost 21, yeah. And thing four is nine. So we're like kind of, we've got that range of kids that can never go on holiday and and have a single day where everybody's happy. (laughs) Somebody... (laughs) In that wide range, somebody is always trailing along at the back. Furious. That they, that, they, yeah, that they don't want to be doing whatever it is. But yeah, so there's, there's yeah, 
That's us. And who's the, which thing of yours, thing one, two, three or four? Which is the most complicated. Yeah. Um, it depends on the day, but usually um, <laughs> thing one is is the most complicated um, of, of all of the things. So um, B uh, was six when she was diagnosed with a brain tumour, which was like we'd been we'd been five months worth of going backwards and forwards to um kind of with concerns about her and school would school would raise concerns and things and um so we started off on our journey with uh, a misdiagnosis which set us off on a pretty crappy footing really with um kind of with the people that kind of were originally around us but that was you know there you go so she she had we went from kind of this idea that we were going to um she she had this diagnosis of dyspraxia so we were doing all these these exercises left brain right brain exercises we were trawling around the internet because you know I'm gonna I'm gonna sort this out with and given that my background is working with kids with disability at no point did my did I think hang did on either side of develop. your brain yeah <laughs> Did I think you don't develop dyspraxia? So I think there was a whole host of like, I think I was complicit in the in the misdiagnosis. 100% I went along with stuff, even though I was like, oh, really? Um, so yeah, so we, we ended up with an emergency admission to our local fabulous um, like regional hospital. And then mm -hmm. we had, well, she had um, over a year of treatment, which was, pretty grueling and uh, a couple of years later she had a um she had a she suffered a stroke a couple a couple of years later so we thought we were out the other side mm -hmm. and then we were like plonked right back in it and that's made things more complicated for her but we're at this um kind of thinking about today and stuff we're just at this stage where where we're going into another bit oh Lucy, sorry Lucy's sneezing that's lovely for everybody Oh, welcome to COVID Central. Fucked up the microphone, sneezing in the in the long sob story. No, I don't mean sob story. <laughs> but <you know. laughs> oh my! <laughs> the colours come out early. No, I didn't mean that. I meant you know the serious bit. That's what I meant. The, the, the serious the, 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 bit. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I ruined the vibe with my sneezing in your serious bit. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, my child had a stroke. Uh, let's get, move over that sub story. And what about you, Lucy? Lucy won't Sorry. share a sub story. She's oh, hard as nails. Yeah. <laughs> well, what happened to me, right, was yeah. So I, I'm a bit, I'm a bit different from these guys in my background, which you'll probably find out more about as we talk. But um, yeah, so I have four children. My oldest is 18 and just left for uni. Um, I got pregnant with her when I was 19, so she is almost the same age as I was when I had her, which is quite scary, um, and making very different choices from my life choices at the time. <laughs> and um, does that make you proud? <laughs> it makes me, it's just different, right? You know, she's, and I'm very different. proud of her. Yeah, she's, she's, she's great. She's super independent, and I feel a little bit, I feel a little bit sad that she's so independent in some ways because she's kind of had to grow up really fast and just do everything. You know, my mm. kids are the kids that sign 
their planners because <laughs> their parents don't have time to sign the planners and you know we'll fill in forms and literally shove them under my nose to get a signature at the bottom for trips etc and remind me that they've booked all the parents evening appointments for me and here we are we, this is where you need to be there so um they're great so yeah so my second daughter, she's 16. She um, started college doing an MVQ and decided why on earth would she be doing an MVQ when she could be doing an apprenticeship and earning lots of dollar. So she switched to doing an apprenticeship, uh, which was very, you know, very progressive of her and thinking ahead, which is great. So she is now earning lots of money and a working lady, um, which is great. Oh, nice. and, um, I think we should charge a rent, but I don't know. <laughs> That's that's a conversation we are having at the moment. No, I don't think I will charge a rent. And then, uh, oh, I reckon... totally would. <laughs> I'm, I'm, oh, and I do think if I she's would. earning, I just yeah, think, totally. Well, even if know. it's even if it's like a nominal amount, yeah, it's about. Yeah. Re- but but I'm. And then I'm I could give nice. it back to her. On I could just well, yeah, you could save it up and for just it give it back to her to. Later. Kind but of a it's saving like, scheme. Life ain't yeah. free, love. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, All my kids are well aware of that one. So, uh, Brex is 14 and he... It's really hard to describe him. Like, Tasmanian devil on crack, I think would probably... But it just about hit it. I know. It was me worrying about his chromosomal... (laughs) Depletion, de- duplication, duplication, worry, and yeah. you're like, well, yeah. let's say Transmanian <laughs> devil on crack. Well, yeah, it's like, it's really, like, I, I literally can't describe him without sounding like I'm being completely hyperbolic the whole time. So he doesn't sit still, and when I mean he doesn't sit still, he doesn't sit still. He also has epilepsy, which means he has seizures every day, which we've kind of gone around this roundabout of medication trying to control, but nothing ever gets on top of it. Um so we've got this like lethal mix of a child who does not ever sit still and is constantly climbing on everything, etc., and also has seizures, um, which makes for quite um, a dangerous, challenging sort of situation. Um, he's nonverbal. He is very good at communicating um, in his own way. He will drag you to things and like open the fridge and tap on things, and you know he's you kind of have to get Brecken literate, I suppose. Um, and yeah, and that's that has been a very very tricky journey. Because... Okay, enough of the sob story. Can you right. move on? Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> you know what? I ain't got a violin big enough for you, love. <laughs> Can we move on now, please? I'm bored. That's a bit of a long summary. And then my lit list is uh, twelve and very sassy and very chatty and knows her own mind Sounds like someone I know. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> says that. Everyone says that. And at her age, I was so Oh, she's so driving me mad. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. She just thinks, you know, she has an opinion on everything. Oh, and does she? It's always right. Oh, and does she? Yes, 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 yes. I know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, so that's us. Okay, so uh, I have—I've only got three kids. I mean, we could—we could pretend that Lucy's one of mine, couldn't we? (laughs) Like Lucy, Lucy has moved into our house um, in lockdown to help with the chaos um, 
I, you know, I don't. Different know Lucy to me, it. by the way, for yeah, listeners, because that's confusing. Not yeah. me. <laughs> I've not. We've not started some triplet affair. <laughs> no. Um, so Lucy is a 21-year-old um, nursing student and who came in and rescued us from from ourselves from yourself, <laughs> <laughs> during lockdown, because my eldest son. Um, uh, sort of, I know, um, Lucy, your diagnosis stuff was later on in life, and um, our diagnosis for uh, our eldest son was at birth, uh, or ten weeks later with an MRI scan, um, and that uh, meant we were just immediately our, our only version of parenthood was of with a, somebody with really complex needs, which I know is different from both of you, because both of you had a taste of, um, inverted commas, normality um, mm-hmm. from a parenting point of view. Um, whereas uh, it wasn't until my second son was born that I was like, oh, oh, this is different. <laughs> oh, guess how this is. Ah. From... Um, the breastfeeding to the they they I mean you talk about Tasmanian devil on speed but just the rate at which kids develop is mad when you've been like looking for every little tiny little you know oh maybe that's a smile at the age of you know 14 months or oh maybe he deliberately moved his hand in that direction that meant he was intentionally trying to do whatever um whereas yeah, one minute you turn around and they're like rolling over and then they're crawling and then they're like looking you in the eyes when you walk in the room um, and it completely takes your breath away how quickly. Um, I also, oh, I live with Tim. Yes, my husband. Um, uh, he's quite nice. I quite like him still. Um, <laughs> and he's a GP and I'm a nurse. So we're all quite, that means our patients and capacity to care is rock bottom (laughs) anyone who lives with a medical professional knows when they get home they don't give um, monkeys quite frankly my mum um trained as a nurse when i was a teenager actually both my parents went back to university when they were later um and yeah it was anything like our, our our arms could have been falling off we could have um you know been bleeding it's like two paracetamol and go to bed <laughs> my mom's yeah like... totally my mum's my mum calls herself a recovering physiotherapist and um you would literally you'd say mom it really hurts if i do this and she would just be like she would she wouldn't don't even do it look then. up from what yeah don't do it <laughs> end of story go don't away do it. Like, and uh, in but my anyway. world it's about wet paper towels everything is fixed with wet paper towels <laughs> Crack on. Here you go. Wet paper towel. You're fine. There's, there's a wet paper towel. <laughs> yeah. Those horrible green, mushy wet paper towels. Those ones. Yeah. They fix all. They are the, the universal answer to all medical issues. <laughs> well, we've talked about our kids far too much. Um, I want to know... What are some of your what are your stories as far as being a grown up in all of this? Do you feel able to um, to tell us? I certainly feel like my life was going in one direction and I had been deciding for it to go in one direction. (laughs) And then um, 
when my first son was born, I have three kids now, but when my first son was born, it kind of was like the the short, the mid and the long-term plans, well, they just look ridiculous. <laughs> they were like, oh, <laughs> you know, when someone, you know, when you hear somebody before they have a baby and they're like, oh, well, I'm just going to do this and I'm going to do that and I just can't wait and da, da, da. And I'm like, <laughs> like, you have no idea. <laughs> it's when people That's... say... So people say that they've put um, like a water spritzer in their birthing bag. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, yeah, Uh. good, good. (laughs) You know, that kind of like, oh, bless your heart. That's kind of how I feel about myself when I was going through life thinking, ooh, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to do that. Then we'll try this. And, oh, maybe we'll live here or maybe we'll live there or maybe we'll da-da-da. Um, I have got a bit of a probably messiah complex where, I mean, <laughs> I've got faith. Well, sort of. Um, but <laughs> I have this, you know, I kind of really thought I was a bit of a Florence Nightingale type person. You know, I'm going to go and save the world. Oh, um, Rach, were you like, did you have a white saviour complex? Oh, you, were absolutely. You going yeah. All, the, all over to, whole... you know, those poor African countries that, that needed no, you yeah, to, I did it. to build did a it. hospital. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, but I always did it under people who lived there. So I didn't go with a, you know, but I, but I did go and work. Yeah. I did that and um, I was going to save the world one person at a time. Although I did like to think I was a little bit Laura Croft as well, you know, <laughs> utility belt. Anyone who knows Rachel knows that she is the least Laura Croft person oh, there ever was. <laughs> I am well hard. You oh. She cries a lot. Um, yeah, Laura Croft might cry, but then she gets stuff done. <laughs> Yeah, that you do get shit done. That is fair. You, I, I would absolutely give it to you. You get shit done. You're very, very industrious and good. And my tits and my of... ass are just like Laura's, <laughs> <laughs> because this is a podcast and you can't tell. And a funny story. One of the fir- the first time I actually met Rachel in person, we ended oh. up sharing a bed. We did. Um, so I can confirm <laughs> the tits and the ass situation. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we we were at a blogger. Um, awards thing and yep. i had i had been that nominated. neither of us won by the way yeah that none of us won <laughs> i had been nominated as a finalist in the humor category um are you saying as, i'm not funny such as my epic uh comedian skills but no um it's also rachel's funny but rachel didn't get you didn't get nominated that year and you were really pissed off about it do you remember <laughs> uh, i swear i don't remember that no i don't <laughs> And that, so Rachel actually. decided to come with no. me to be my cheerleader, which I really appreciate because I didn't know anyone there. Um, and so we ended up sharing this hotel room and sharing a bed. And it was the, literally the first time I met her. And I recorded, she said, I don't snore. And then I promptly recorded her snoring <laughs> <laughs> during the night um, and sent yeah. it to Tim. So yeah. <laughs> I have got so, yeah. this. Uh, Tim doesn't sleep as well when I'm not snoring next to him, apparently. I don't Aww. think that's true. And that's not true. Can I do can uh, I do my award story? Go on, what's your award when story? When I when I um when I won Tesco's Positive Mum of the Year <laughs> in uh, <laughs> in 2009. Yeah, something to be a, a proud of. Positive Mum of the Year. I did. Well, I mean, I, did Lucy get Tesco's <laughs> negative mum of the year? <laughs> I don't think they give awards out. We were like that. the we were like the seven dwarves. 
So there's like a positive one or a or a I can't remember the others to be honest. <laughs> <That's> sleepy, <laughs> yeah. snoring, exhausted. Um, but yeah, I did. And was this yeah. a national award or a local yes. award? No, it's national. Are you there serious? are photographs. I am serious. Uh, I was in the Tesco magazine. Now. There are photographs because what happened was um, they came and they like did my hair. <laughs> I was nominated by my bestest friend in the world, Emma. And so she lay on the bed while the hairdresser came and did my hair. Uh, not saying a word there was no mirror or anything so it was just in the room with this hairdresser she did my hair on you I hope you will never find a photograph <laughs> because I looked like Margaret Thatcher <laughs> and Emma didn't say anything and then <laughs> nothing she's now the no longer was, your bestest friend like in the world <laughs> 66 Tesco magazine mum of the year awards 2009 oh. photos and premium oh, I need to I can't see any. They're off. They're you won't recognise me because <laughs> I look suspiciously like Margaret Thatcher. So, Rach, you were talking about your experience of your life being planned and scripted and you had all these kind of things yeah. that you wanted to do and directions you knew you were going in, trajectory that, that you kind of had some sort of predictability over. And I, when we were thinking about how has your life changed since you became the parent of a disabled child? Um, I'm not sure it's the same for me because my experience before having children was completely unplanned. My entire life was completely unplanned and mm. it was kind of an exercise in reactive survival. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had kids and I got married and I was I was in the church and I think that that kind of gave some sort of trajectory because you know when you're in the church and the church culture there's expectations there's kind of a general way people do things you fall in love you get married you have kids that's you know that's strongly encouraged within Mm -hmm. a Christian church culture um so that was the thing that gave me a little bit of stability predictability security Mm. Uh, planning going forward but I don't think I had any plans I don't think I ever had the luxury Mm -hmm. of sitting down and going what is my life going to look like Mm -hmm. because it's really hard to do that when all you're doing is kind of surviving on a day-to-day and going back to like when I was a kid I didn't I didn't ever think oh what do I want to be when I grow up yeah. there wasn't that forward thinking because it just didn't exist yeah. there wasn't that like next bit um because I was a I was a young carer for my mum and also I was a, in and out of the care system so when you're doing that like reactive day-to-day survival I don't think you have the there's no room or it's just not a thing yeah. it's not even like there's no room it's just not it's just not a thing to think about oh yeah in 10 years time this is my life plan because there's no space for it mm-hmm. um in the same way so so what you're saying is like when you turned an adult and actually you um started you had a stable relationship and you started you know sprouting out sprogs (laughs) and having babies and and they created a normality that you Mm -hmm. hadn't experienced in your own childhood exactly yeah Um, yeah, and did that does that mean that you then imagined their future or did you just were you just still 
in uh, a now headspace. Yeah, totally. Now head, and I think I still struggle with like forward planning because I just it's just not hardwired into me in the same way that in other in other children in other young people in other adults it it's a it's a thing that you regularly do because there's space and there's time and you mm. and you have a perceived as an adult in a or as a child in a typical sense or a, you know a, a normal not that there's ever normal but you know a typical sense set of circumstances i think you have the the time and the headspace to to think about and and it's a given you know oh, what do you want to do when you're older no one ever asked me what i wanted to do when i was older when i was a kid because it's just like you're just being and, and existing and trying to get through the day and mm. that was the same for the people around me that wasn't like just me that was like everyone in my world was just trying to get through the day I was, um, yeah i was just gonna say that i think there's a certain amount of learning how to do forward planning and mm-hmm. you have to um the, pe- the you know you need the the influential people in your life that usually you know as a kid it's usually the grown-ups around you to teach you how to do that and to be whereas if it's if everything's a bit chaotic and they're a bit chaotic as well then yeah if it's not coming from anywhere where does it come from you know um, yeah yeah exa- exactly that and, and going back to that expectation of like life before versus life after I don't think there and it still isn't to a, to a degree for me because it is just not a learned hard hardwired bit of me to do that oh in five years in 10 years I can't see beyond the now and and I think because had I had I had then experiences of life that were more normal more typical whatever um more stable I guess then maybe there would have been space to start cultivating that but I went from (laughs) I went from I'm just like a universal cosmic joke went from kind of being in the care system being a primary (laughs) carer wham bam you've got a really complex child oh brilliant uh, so there's yeah. literally in my 39 years to date I'm 40 this year I'm going to have a massive party, party. everyone is invited rent a crowd um, so I look popular <laughs> that's why you're um, doing this you want to get some friends yeah yeah I just need people to come to my 40th party exactly that um, and yeah and it, it, up to we were talking about this the other day with, with Stu my husband that actually everything's been hijacked there's not been mm. one single bit of that time where I've gone, oh, normality, stability, not chaos. Um, so yeah, I don't, I, I still really am working on my skills of. I'd, I'd, what I, the mean, heck I don't with think that's planning. In some ways, there's a little bit of um, similarity there as as to like my experience of parenthood is only with this one version. Your experience mm-hmm. of life is only with this one version, whereas Sarah's. Um, dive into the kind of you being one of those families that up until then you'd looked after um was after you'd kicked off that journey and you were in that normal for want of a better word um uh well I definitely feel that was a line in the sand for me before and after um but it really sounds like that's really different for you Luce Born at the Right Time is an organisation focused on bridging the gap between families of people with complex needs and the practitioners who support them through CPD certified training, family workshops, advocacy and campaigning. The Born at the Right Time team are passionate about seeing a cultural change in policies, improvements in service delivery 
and a better lived experience of people caring for those with complex disabilities. So go to bornatrighttime.com for more information on courses, parent workshops, or buying one of my books, The Skies Are Under and Shattered. Visit www.bornatrighttime.com to help bridge the gap between those delivering your service and the families you support. I think it'd be inter- it's interesting to have a conversation around around the language that we're using with our like we've just we've all just used normal, um, which is such a lovely word that just means I mean if you, normal for us does that mean we women in white because <laughs> that's that's our normal in this conversation and recognise that that's that's completely skewed in one way. Um, uh, I know I know certain people who have asked me to say label my child in a different way as I I, you know it's it should be that he's a boy who has a disability I don't I shouldn't have put that silly voice on um because they were very nice people um and I uh have an issue with that in that I'm quite happy for him to be disabled as in say he's disabled and the same ways as he's um blue-eyed brown-haired um, I worry that our avoidance of certain words and person-first language um, means that we're placing shame on those labels, and that's our issue. Um, but I know that's completely, and it's completely different depending on who's talking. I I was thinking about this the other day, and um, because B is getting that bit older, I'm I'm having to do less and less of those descriptions I don't know whether it's a children focused thing you know like kind of because of the kind of being in the education system being in you know it's all that resource type stuff around Mm. you know having to define xyz in order to get access to abc whereas I and I was thinking the other day you know um I don't think I've I've need like the description you know kind of the idea of explaining be to anybody I haven't done that anywhere near as much as she's got older which is a blessed relief you know (laughs) (laughs) let's just navigate this little tightrope of what can I say that that gets me the help I need do you know what though do you know what though the she didn't get an official learning disability diagnosis feel free to write in if you feel that this is impossible but she didn't get an official learning disability diagnosis until last year um, and and that was hmm. and that was re- that was really problematic in terms of trying to get access to particular services and services. support. Um, and that was because of her kind of her slightly unusual route through life. You know, sometimes she's described as having a brain injury, and sometimes it's okay. complexity following X Y Z. And you know, and that I think uh, slightly on a slightly different um, tangent from as a parent that's felt quite isolating because there isn't like a group that I can kind of tag myself onto. So I'm not a parent of some, you know, like I'm just, just choosing it, you know, like kind of say, say if my um child had a diagnosis such as down syndrome, like, you know, see so straight away I'm panicking that is it a diagnosis of down syndrome? Is, is it, is it my child <laughs> described as having right. down syndrome? Yeah. You know, and um, whereas, I think I'm I'm like at a party of one when it comes to like my support group 
Oh, I know. Oh, I know. But I think it's tricky. I'm back to my putting my sub story again, aren't I? Let's get the violence. I might get my I might get my positive month the year reward out. <laughs> Dust it off. But yeah, so kind of by definition, her de- her her definition by by association kind of defines me and the things that I can then kind of feel that I can be a part of. It's odd, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. So yeah. thankfully, we're kind of I feel like we've got come out the other side of it. <laughs> now we're just living as That's she's become good. an adult. That's no, it's a good nice. thing. Yeah. I um I know you ladies not because of your children particularly but because of your work um i guess lucy our introduction is a little bit weird um but (laughs) we won't go into that um but i do you think having i mean lucy you were at home for a decade or so before you actually um decided to get further education and do something outside the home yeah. Um, whereas Sarah and I have known from the beginning of our lives that we were not fit for parenthood. <laughs> <laughs> like I wanted to create a family. I I wanted to have a family, um, and I work really hard on. But I just, I just am not cut out for, <laughs> for Lego and like imaginative play. Honestly. <clears throat> It's See, I really enjoyed just... that bit. I was like, I was, oh, yeah, I did. You I really enjoyed, enjoyed it. it, and I think, I think the the again different perspective completely because I didn't have a life before in the same mm. way that you guys did. It was not like a so. Career what you're saying is that... we're spoiled. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's just different, isn't it? It's just different. So your life before you had an identity and a role carved out for you before mm. you mm. were parents, whereas for me, I. I was just okay. being, and then and then the parent thing gave me a role yeah. and an identity which I had never had before, yeah. which I thrived in, and I, you know mm-hmm. I I loved being at home with the kids. I did all the toddler groups. I like had all this kind of mum community support around, and I was. It felt like I, and this is I think this is exactly it. What I'm going to talk about right now is it the belonging. Like mm. it felt like I belonged in a place mm. which I hadn't had anywhere else. Da, 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 da. Chaos, chaos, chaos. Um, suddenly I have a kid. I'm part of this community. I mean, there were there were challenges around it that I was, you know, I was young, and there were a whole host of things that came with that um, in terms of people's assumptions of me and people's assumptions that I was, you know, had children by different dads and was rubbish and couldn't like <laughs> parent properly or whatever, um, which came came into difficulties when we started to kind of pursue uh, support for Brecken. But generally, I really enjoy being at home and I think I pushed it to the extreme limit (laughs) being at home for 10 years. (laughs) And then I started to hate it. And then I was like, oh, dear Lord, who am I at like, however old I was, 28, like, what what am I doing in my life? Who am I? Like, what, what role do I have when these kids are not here anymore? And, okay. Yeah. So a, th- a bit different again, but um, 
Yeah. So if anybody actually needs any parenting advice whatsoever, you can you can write in at tswupodcast <laughs> at gmail.com, but all all referrals will go to Lucy. Resident expert. No, because, I'm kidding. Expert, parenting <laughs> expert because um I certainly know that I I can be an okay mother when my kids go to school. All right. <laughs> but when my kids are at home all the time which in the last couple of years has been quite a lot my mothering like the maternal jug of maternity whatever that is in my life the thing that i am able to pour out you know you can't you can't pour from an empty cup my mothering cup is so small it's like a thimble <laughs> so if i'm if i've if they're at home, they've used it all up by 10 o'clock, like 10 a.m. And it's like, I've done all my parenting. I've done the patience. I've done the listening to whatever Minecraft thing that you want to talk to me about. I've done the colouring. Um, I'm just not doing it. If you want any baking done, if you want any crafts done, if you want any painting, find your father. <laughs> I wonder whether that is about your expectations of what parenthood looks like rather than yeah, your totally. ability to be because again I had no expectations I was making it up as I get, went along mm -hmm. because I did not have this like hey my kids aren't in care boom <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. I'm winning I'm winning <laughs> <laughs> exactly I, they're at home with me they are safe there I'm doing a thousand percent better job than was done with me so I am winning yeah exactly okay. that so yeah, I wonder yeah, yeah. I didn't have the same expectations on myself I was like you know I'm just being with them and oh that's completely fine. whereas I had not just the patriarchy but the church kind of idea of a good woman stays at home and looks after her loved no, ones. No, that shit. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that. I hate that. Like, if you want to do that, fine. And I did it out of choice in terms of like... That was you what know, you... That was it actually, was what That was my yeah. bag. Exactly. It was great. Claiming and I really it. enjoyed it. And, and yeah, exactly. But for I have absolutely no time for people who think that that is, you know, there's predetermined ways of doing things if you happen to possess a vagina or a penis like no, <laughs> no. <laughs> so Luce if you saying that uh, you're um, becoming a parent was actually really stabilizing part of your life and stuff and actually uh, it got you all sorted it was like a combination of all the beautiful things in your world and you discovered your cosmic role as a woman, <laughs> which I definitely did not. Um, does that mean you love people calling you mum? No, I really hate that. <laughs> I really, really hate that. Um, and I've spent a lot of time in hospital over the last year with uh, Brex because of various things. And every <laughs> single time someone comes in the room, and says, oh, are you mum? I'm like, I so want to say, did you fall out of my vagina? Therefore, no, I'm not, I'm not mum. Like, clearly, you did not come out of me. I am not your mum. And it's, there's something about it in a professional context that really irritates me because um, in, a, in a medical setting or in education or wherever, because it feels like everybody else gets referred to by their name you know, doctor, whoever, 
this person, this is Mrs. Whoever, the head teacher, et cetera, et cetera. And you then get mum. <laughs> and like, it's some it's people not, love it. Some it's not on a level. You know, it, and you know, if that's your bag, great. If if you genuinely feel empowered being in a room and being called mum, then great. I think for me, the issue came because I, when we started pushing for a diagnosis for Brecken, and I was like raising challenges and going to help us to. Mm-hmm. He he was child number three. Mm-hmm. I looked really young. Um, I had two girls and then he was my first boy you're not so just if, boasting you actually were so quite young I was quite <laughs> like young you yeah really I looked young. really young it's yeah, rather no. than Sarah going actually look really young <laughs> actually I, I looked really young and I was really young so <laughs> it, double that I looked about 12 and I had three children oh, okay. in tow. so so people looked at me in the context of I would go to the health visitor and say I'm really concerned because X, Y, Z. He was so different to my other children. He was floppy, blah, blah, blah. He didn't hit milestones. And every time I went in, they'd look at me and go, okay, mum. And then proceed to spout some patronising bullshit about how I didn't know what I was doing and how he was my first boy. And therefore, you know, I'm really young, so don't Mm. worry, he'll catch up, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And so I was, my role as mum, because of all the baggage that came with being younger, and not you know and obviously sleeping with all and sundry and having children by various different dads <laughs> which was already us as well like not that I have no issue with that if you sleep with lots of people and have lots of kids by different dads fair play to you but like there should be no judgment attached and yes yeah there is uh so all of, all of that stuff I think for me then when people call me mum it, it's just this massive flashpoint trigger um and I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not your mum. That's not uh, my name. Yeah, that's, that's not, not my name. name. That's not that's my name. Not my... It is just disempowering. It feels um, patronising. It feels like, oh, they're there, just mum, you know. And and you know, they write in reports. Uh, mum says, mum suggests, mm. as though it's not. Do they write doctor suggests? Uh, Head teacher suggests, you know, it's not, it's it's as fact when it comes from another professional, but when it's mum, it's mum suggests, mum states, mum believes. Uh, yeah, so no, I, you can f*** off calling me mum. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> that's where I stand on that. <laughs> so, this story. Uh, so, as you can tell, I might be on the same team on that one, uh, in that I have at don't call me mum on twitter and uh uh, have done lots of work but from the point of my my business and my work is all around trying to bridge that gap trying to bring together parents like us and the practitioners that everybody um in this conversation is a parent and then we also find ourselves in our professional roles talking to parents like us and i think we all know that we get um looked at differently, spoken to differently, engaged with differently, whether it's me as a nurse walking into the into the health setting, whether it's Lucy as a, a you know, having a master's in education, being a, a partway through a PhD in ed psych, uh, whether it's Sarah standing up at a conference as an expert in postural care, we will, we will, the way people talk to us in those settings, um, when they know our background versus when we're as you said Lucy 
just mum uh, <laughs> is very very different and it's really it's that you know that it can be really dehumanizing and I just think um, there are lots of things we can't do anything about and this is one thing we can do something about when it comes to and it's it's from both sides you know um if i want to be given the respect and to be communicated well with and to and to be talked to with uh with a name and you know simple things like that then i kind of need to offer the same to the people that i'm talking to as well i need to offer the same to the practitioners i need to offer the same um to model that that respect and that wanting to engage with um but it's just a really easy thing that we can do um and uh i do wear my don't call me mum badge on occasions <laughs> and you can buy the don't call me mum um stickers and stuff from my website uh but uh i just think when we're trying to work together one thing we can do is look each other in the eyes and use the name. We know how we know how weird. Do you ever get that situation when you're like on the phone call on a phone call with um I don't know, um somewhere somewhere else in the world and I don't know whether it's a cold call or you're trying to change your insurance company because you just at least have to pretend you're gonna move it for them to give you a lower price. <laughs> um, you know, all that sort of stuff. And you get to the end of the call and they say, Thanks ever so much, Rachel. Uh, is there anything else I can do? And it kind of takes you back, doesn't it? They're kinda like, Ooh, Oh, they know me. Oh, no, they don't. They just have my name written <laughs> on a piece of paper. But when when someone uses that in a context that they have known us for a long time and they do actually use my name, it actually just makes us feel like we're having a conversation rather than being told what to do or having yeah. tasks done. I think there's an equity there that, that isn't there if you are calling mum and then the name, you know, like there's a reciprocal equity in knowing each other's name and using each other's name and that dynamic that it just, yeah, isn't there when you call called mum. And it's just odd, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's just odd. It's grammatically it's incorrect. Here comes Sarah, the teacher, who's got a PGC. No, it's just if, odd. If it's it's yeah. my it's those, I saw Why a bad you... the other day. It's like my name is, you know, Rachel. My noun is is, you know, like she, her, not mum. <laughs> that's not that's not my precursor. Like you, you, there is it isn't interspersible. There's no other environment in which is that it would, a word? I think so. In in something. Um there isn't there is no other environment where it would happen, is there? Yeah. Maybe in school. No. Maybe. A little bit. Um Yeah, but again, my my when my six year old teacher talks to me and unfortunately we have quite a few reasons to speak to each other <laughs> on occasions. <laughs> so at another time where she gives me a look and says Rachel, can I have a word? I'm like, hmm, should I be happy? But she knows my name and it just, it means, um, so can we talk about stuff that's happening and let's work yeah. it out together? It just gives yeah. that, like, let's let's do this. Let's make this. Um, and team, I, whatever the problem is. Yeah. Like, your your team, whatever team, the problem is. Team positivity, your child. Like, we're on the same side. We all want the same thing, which is the best thing for your you know your offspring (laughs) (laughs) whichever one it is whichever one two three four um but yeah i'm i'm we're on the same boat so let's let's 
Uh, and it's just half the conversation. There's been a big push from a medical health point of view um, for doctors and nurses to introduce themselves. You know, there was that doctor yeah. who had a diagnosis and she realised that she went into conversations with medical staff and had really significant events, you know, diagnoses yeah. and life-changing information given to her. And she didn't know there was there was the the dehumanizing of that situation was magnified by the fact that they didn't use their name in the conversation um and therefore it didn't feel like a conversation it just felt like it was a an outpouring of information that she just had to pick up and walk out with and the first you know so there is this my name is kind of uh, drive isn't there in hospitals yeah. and but it's, it's just the second half of that conversation exactly it's just closing that circle hello my name is Sarah and you are do you know what I mean that's, a, that's like otherwise it's just hello my name is and that's the important bit oh, <laughs> let's carry on you know it's a bit like last with our kids like, let's not oh. talk about our children what about me can I talk about me <laughs> but yeah no I think and, and I wonder as well I wonder whether there is this thing of like there's a overarching social like level of what mum is you know if you're a stay-at-home mum it's not great like it's not it's not viewed as a excellent job Mm. it's not viewed as an excellent career choice etc etc so whether if we had a different idea of what mum looked like for me my role as mum was massively fulfilling and massively like stabilizing like you said and actually really positive but the rest of the world viewed me as just a stay-at-home mum just mum yeah just a mum and so if maybe if that shifted would our idea around like being called mum be different you know like, I, I don't no, know no, because My, I don't no. think it is because I think it's just it's like you can call me my children's names mum like you can call me yeah, S's yeah, yeah. mum you can call me Jake like that's fine because I am and that's a role and I'm proud of that role and I you know they might not be the role of my role but I'm you know so it's not about that it's 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 kind of just like it's not used correctly it's just that they're not your children that's just yeah well, exactly it, they did it? not yeah yeah I did not expel them from my body So the research suggests that there's a 50-50 split between whether you like being called mum or not. But whether you like being called mum or you prefer your first name, we really hope you've enjoyed this first episode of the Skies Rwanda podcast. With special thanks to Lucy and Sarah for the conversation and being so honest with us. To Harry for all the technical stuff and Rebecca for the logistical support back in the office. We'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to be part of the conversation, you can email us on the podcast at tswupodcast at gmail.com. Email the podcast at tswupodcast at gmail.com. You can ask us questions. We'd love to hear from you. It would be brilliant if you could share this podcast with your friends, family, practitioners, those who you work with, and then do that whole fancy thing where you like review and like and subscribe that'd be brilliant but for now whatever skies you're under i hope it's a good one goodbye bye